0: Verse uh, chapter ten verse one. Hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. And like I was saying, this is he's still on the message that he was given back in chapter seven. You know, in chapter seven, it seemed like he uh, had just turned back to right. Quick, it, it seemed like the message was focused at uh, stand in the gate of the Lord, house and proclaim there this word that to those that enter into the gate. So, the 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 house of Israel, as as he speaks here in Jeremiah all that's left is Judah and Benjamin,
1: mm-hmm. you know? Yeah.
0: But I think, you know, that this message is not only for Judah and Benjamin, but I think it's for all the whole house of Israel. Amen. And that they will, uh, there's a time that hasn't come yet because they still haven't heard his word uh, to the, to, to the extent that they turned to him.
1: No, they're stiff necked
0: but, but there will come a time when they will hear it. So, and, and this message is for us as well because we're in between the times when when this is going to come to pass. So when he addresses this word to the house of Israel, I, I believe that is the whole house of Israel. And it, this is just a continuation of what he's fixing to tell them in chapter 10. It's just a continuation of... Uh, the rebukes, and it's sprinkled with a little bit of grace and mercy and, and encouragement, you know, in there. But most of it is pretty, uh, pretty bleak and uh, pretty judgmental towards the people. And so, thinking on on that line, and you know, I, I, when we first got into chapter seven, I mentioned that this is kind of a uh, it, it 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 had the flavor of what Paul was teaching in Second Corinthians six, and it was what we got here in the Old Testament in Jeremiah. Here we have we see the polarities uh, that's involved in his message, highlighting. The, the attraction toward a particular object or a particular uh, god and and the polarity is are you attracted to the true and living god or are you attracted to a false and pagan god which is what paul touches on in corinthians when he says what uh, what Concord has the temple and of god with the with idols And what Paul is speaking of, more or less, is the polarities spiritually and fleshly carnally that you have in ministry. And the polarities here in in Jeremiah are more towards, are you attracted to the true and living God or are you attracted to false pagan gods and idols? And that's where a lot of his rebukes are coming in at us. And then it's also, with that being said, depending on where your attraction is, that will, that will determine what your direction is, what your ways are. And so there's a, there's a polarity in the direction in which one is attracted, either to the ways of God or to the ways of the world. So with that being, you know, said, I, I thought about, okay, so let's go back to chapter one in Jeremiah, where Jeremiah is called into the ministry, and God reveals to Jeremiah <clears throat> that his ministry is, is going to be uh, a hard sell. And it's going to be 67% destructive and 33% constructive. Or 67% rebuke and 33% consolation, cursing, and blessing. However, you want to, you know, picture, uh, there's going to be a lot of toes stepped on by Jeremiah. And and he brought that revelation to Jeremiah through visions uh one was of an al, of an almond tree, which would be the blessing, which would be the the uh, john three sixteen sermons and then the seething pot was the other vision, and that would be the the cursing and the the judge the judgment type of sermons the stepping on your toes type of sermon. And so then from verse uh, from <coughs> chapter 7 through chapter 9, we've seen all the rebukes, uh, and we've heard them through his word, and the indictments of the people and all the things that they was doing and their ways, and it continues here in chapter 10. And what I, so I just went, and I hadn't went through chapter 7, chapter 8, or chapter 9, but I think at some point I will. But I thought it was uh, very, very curious and interesting. That uh, thinking back to the to the sixty seven percent and the thirty three percent of what the ministry of Jeremiah is going to be and, and the, the uh, nature of his sermons and stuff, I was just I went through chapter ten. And to see where, you know, the, the nature of the message here, that hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, house of Israel. And see where the grace and the hope and the encouragement was sprinkled in alongside the judgment and everything. And notice in verse 6 and 7, we'll just do this real quick, but notice in verse 6 and 7, you break away from what's in Chapter two, uh, verse two through five. Two through five are like rebukes, and I'm leaving verse one uh, out completely because it's just in. It's a. It's an uh, introduction to the, to the word. So I'm not even counting verse one as verse. Because <clears throat> it's neither a rebuke or a consolation. It's just hear ye the word. So from two to five, you got rebuke, or two to four five and then six and seven you have praising the lord you got encouraged that even with all these reviews going on i'm here i'm here i'm here for you and then when you get back into verse 8 and nine you get back into negative uh things about man and you get to verse 10 and you get a sprinkling the grace again and the truth of the the true and living God and then in verse 11 it goes back to indicting the God the false gods verse 12 and 13 uh, speaks of the power of the, the creator after he's, already, he's just disannulled in verse 11, the false gods who say they, you know, they made the heavens and the earth, or they are put up on that pedestal where people that are worshiping them think that that's what's going on. But 12 and 13 introduces you to the to the true Creator. Then back into 14 through 15, you got rebuke. Then in 16, you got encouragement. And then 17 through 22, you have rebuke again. And 23 through 24, you have encouragement. And you know what that breaks down to? There's 33% encouragement and consolation. There's 67% rebuke. Eight verses of eight verses of encouragement and sixteen verses of rebuke. So, now I don't know if if you're looking at those verses like I did and, and see something different in them, but that's that's what I seen. And that's what told, that's what it told him about to be and i just thought well we'll be there he said that jeremiah is doing exactly what the lord had told him to and not watering it down at all so that's what i had for verse one And verse 2 says, uh, Thus saith the Lord, Learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. And God again takes him, uh, you you know, he did it in chapter 7, in verse 25 through 28, he took them back to the beginning of the nation to uh, make his point that it's been going on that long and that's where it was conceived that's where it began and he takes them back to the beginning again here where their perpetual backsliding actually was birthed and in Deuteronomy surprise surprise Eighteen, nine through eleven. <laughs> First off, just look at uh, Deuteronomy eighteen nine. God instructs them. He says, <clears throat> "Excuse me, don't learn to do after the abominations of those nations." Okay. Yeah. Then in Jeremiah 10, 2, where we're at in the study, saith <clears throat> the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen. Same warning, right? Yes. And the thing about it is it's 850 years apart. And he's still having to warn them of the, of the same things. It, it began in the beginning and uh, there hasn't been... Uh, it's still something that needs to be warned against. And it still needs to be warned against even today. And until the Lord comes, that he'll be warning them about it. So it's a, it's an ongoing plea from God since the beginning of the nation. And that's, that was like 850 years separating Jeremiah from Moses. But from Jeremiah 10 till now is 2,600 years. And they still haven't heard the word. There's still a veil that remains over their hearts when the word of God is read. And that's in 2 Corinthians three thirteen through 16. But verse 16 is the hallelujah verse. But praise the Lord that the veil shall be taken away when they turn to the Lord. And by definition, that's what backsliding is. Turning away from the Lord. You agree?
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: So, the admonition from Paul in 2 Corinthians is, but the veil will be taken away when they turn to the Lord. When they make make that repentance, when they make that about face.
1: Backslidings will be healed.
0: Yeah. The the perpetual backsliding will be over. Mm -hmm. The only reason it's still there is because they continue to turn from the Lord.
1: Because they're the enemies of the cross.
0: Well... Unfortunately, most of our problems come from within our house, not from without.
1: Hmm.
0: So they've been doing that turning away from the Lord, backsliding in season, out of season, perpetually since the nation. And the Lord said when he was here incarnate he said that uh, he that's not with me is against me and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad <laughs> so when he says he that gathereth not with he that's not yoked up with the lord is opposed to his will and his way If he's not yoked up with and gathering with him, then he's scattering abroad. The Lord is about gathering. The enemy is about scattering. And you're either yoked up with him or you're not. And if you're not, you're opposed to his will and his way. So Jehovah told them back in the beginning the influence that the heathen would have on them if they learned to do after their ways. He speaks of it as making a covenant with them, but it's in Exodus, a couple verses here in Exodus, and Exodus 23 shows you uh, uh, some of the influence, the bad influence that...
1: Well,
0: that... Uh, that God is going to remove from the promised land so that they can move into it. If you have fellowship with them, if you take up with them, if you begin to follow their ways and uh, things, Exodus 23, verse 32. <clears throat> 33, excuse me. <coughs> thou, thou shalt make no covenant with them nor with their gods. Verse 33, they shall not dwell in my own land, lest they make thee sin against me. So, I mean, we're, we're, we don't need any help sinning. You know, we, we, we can do that all, all on our own, way more than we want to. We don't need any help, but that's, he says by fellowshipping with these guys, by taking up with them, by spending time with them, whatever, they will make you sin against me. Well, stay away from it. Like I say, we don't need any help in sin. and We can do that all on our own real good. So there's one of the influences is that you're, you're going, your sins are going to abound against the Lord more with the company that you keep so then in Exodus 34 verse 10 through 17 here's some more influence and the Lord has just spoken about their stiff neck and their uh, the, the, you know their hard heartedness and he says in verse 10 now look, he says here, and behold, I make a covenant. Don't be making covenants with the people of the land. Don't be making covenants with your enemies. I'm making a covenant with you. Get into my covenant, and all these people, of whom you want to have to are making covenants with. They will see and the marvels that I do, and they've never seen anything like it. Then verse eleven says, "Observe thou that which I command thee this day," and he's telling him what he's fixing to do. Now, when I seen that word, "Observe thou that which I command thee," he's he th- that's that's the great commission in uh, what do you call it? Uh, The, the Great Commission. Lord's Supper? No, the Great Commission.
1: Okay. Preaching the Gospel?
0: Yeah. Can can you can you recite the Great Commission to me?
1: Uh go ye into the world and preach the gospel. Okay. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Okay. <clears throat> there's there's more to it. Mm-hmm. Uh and then the other one is, uh, as often as you do this Break this bread, drink of this cup, you do it in remembrance of me. Right. We're supposed to observe that.
0: Okay, here's the great commission. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Now here in verse 10, in Exodus, he said, in verse 11 rather, observe thou that which I command thee this day. He's just exercising the great commission that he gave his disciples 1,500 years later.
1: Mm. Yeah, because Christ.
0: Because we're teaching them to observe all things whatsoever we've been commanded. To do in the Great Commission. We teach that, and we we profess that, we confess that to those that we're witnessing to. That they mm-hmm. do those things. Yeah. So anyway, I ours know. is
1: different, though. We're different in a way, and a lot. Well, in a lot, a lot of different ways. Well, yeah, we're not God. No, no. I mean, like. The nation of Israel—they seen the Lord on Mount Sinai. They seen the cloud. They seen the veil over Moses' face. They were terrified and trembling. God manifested Himself in a body of flesh. The disciples witnessed them. Uh, wicked men delivered the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the determined counsel, they crucified Him. You know, but that's
0: where faith comes in.
1: Well, well, hold on. That's, and then the disciples were supposed to take what they'd seen and what they told them yep. and tell the world because Jesus went to heaven waiting to return. And then now we walk by faith, not by sight. We haven't seen nor heard, but we believe. Right? Well, <clears throat>
0: we haven't seen but we have heard.
1: I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. We have heard. We haven't seen. I mean,
0: yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah. And, that's, and that's, and that's, that's the whole difference between the old Testament and the new Testament is faith exercised. Yeah. That's, that's exactly why they weren't allowed to come into the uh, promised land. Those that were,
1: well, that's not the, not the difference between the old Testament and the new Testament, right? It's the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. Because we know that the Old Testament there's people that believed by faith. So faith has always been God's operation from the beginning. It's never been the law. The law was added because of transgression. You know, But faith has always been God's mode of operation from Genesis to Revelation. Never has that ever been out of his sight. Because we have by faith Abraham believed God. And we got Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, that just didn't start in Hebrews. That started in Genesis, right? You know, faith has always been the tone. But the, believing in God, the word what He says,
0: the word covenant is interchangeable with testament.
1: Okay, they're, all right,
0: they're anonyms.
1: Well, when I say well, when I say New Testament and Old Testament, I think people think of the Scripture of that. But when I say new, when the New Testament and the Old Testament is, the New Testament is in Christ's blood. The Old Testament was what well, no. the law said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just you know I just make that like to make sure that people know that, especially who's hearing it, other than us. Okay. Okay.
0: But well, that, yeah, it, that's that's it's great, and it's it all. Uh, comes back to the word observe. Yeah. Which is not only to see, but it is to obey Mm -hmm. what I have commanded thee. So anyway, uh, he's going to do those things. And then it says in verse 12, he already told him in verse 10, behold, I make a covenant. Then he says in verse 12, take heed to yourself, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, lest it be a snare in the midst of thee, that's one of the influences that it will have if they make a covenant with,
1: yeah, it's with like them. leprosy almost. It sounds like, amen, it'll be a snare. What's in the midst of thee, you know, yeah. And then, like, the law is that the priest is supposed to look within the wound, and if there is something that you know, our hair, or I forget what it all is, right within it. Then that's sin, you know, and he has the sin of leprosy. That's interesting. It's a distinguishing mark.
0: It lets them know. Mm, Amen. But verse 13, so, but God tells them, it's not, I will destroy their altars. You guys go destroy their altars. That's part of the observing thou that I command thee. Destroy their altars, break their images, cut down their groves, for thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Mm-hmm. Then he brings it up again, lest thou make a covenant with the, lest they, you get friendly with them, with the inhabitants of the land, and they go a whoring after their gods, and do sacrifice unto their gods, and one call thee, and thou eat of his sacrifice, and thou speak of their daughters and their sons, and their daughters go a whoring after their gods, and make thy sons go a whoring after their gods; thou shalt make thee no molten gods. Well, they didn't observe in verse eleven what he told them to do. Therefore, the rest of it came to pass on, and that's where we're at in Jeremiah. It's it's already ha- it's come to pass. That's that they've been delving in that for many many moons now.
1: But that was the... Look at the stretched out arm then. Yeah. You know, you're like, you said it's 850 years. Yeah. From that point, look at the mercy of the Lord. Yeah. You know?
0: <clears throat> and now it's been 2,600 years since, since Jeremiah 10 mm. And it's still, it, that's still in place. That problem yeah. still there. All right, where's my... So... Uh, let me see where I'm at here. They, did, like I say, they, they didn't observe what he, he told them. So mm-hmm. those things that followed up in that dialogue in Exodus uh, come to pass. And one of the, when it said back in Jeremiah 10 too, where it says learn not the way of the heathen.
1: <coughs>
0: <coughs> one of the ways of the heathen was to observe time. And we can go back to Deuteronomy 18, which is going back to the beginning again. And God warning them Uh, what he expected of them and where where not to go, what not to do. Verse 9, it says, uh, And thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of these nations, just like he warned them in Jeremiah. Don't go after their ways. Verse 10, one of the ways of the heathen says, There shall not be found among any of you that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire or that uses divination, or is an observer of times. Okay. These are all the ways of those nations that God's going to throw out of the land so that his people can take take the land, inherit it. And mm-hmm. they're observing times and that would be that would be today's astrologer and meteorologist. Okay. That's what's encompassed with the observer of times. We have them today.
1: Yeah. Horoscopes. They're, they're called astrologers. And <coughs> yeah.
0: And Jehovah commanded to stay away from that. Because what it does is the more they're studied, now this is talking about the natural man, the more they're studied, the more the signs of heaven are studied, the more they're feared, and that's where that dismay comes in. And Jeremiah ten, where it says, "Don't be dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at the signs."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the the climax of that will come. Uh, keep your spot marked in Deuteronomy, because I think we're going back to eighteen again. Some of those others, it's kind of interesting. But. Uh, the climax of, of the the fear of the natural man uh, concerning the signs of heaven, and and it, it'll come to a climax at the Lord's second coming. And in Matthew and Luke, Matthew twenty four, twenty nine, and thirty. It gives you a, a preview of the fear just resides with the carnal man uh, in the days of the second coming and the events that take place at that time. Matthew 24, verse 39, uh, 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened the moon shall not give her light. The stars shall fall from heaven, and the power of the heaven shall be shaken. That's the signs of heaven. That God's telling you, that he's telling his people, don't fear when you see signs in the heaven. Don't be dismayed. Verse 30, then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and they'll see the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Where that's going to scare the bejesus out of the natural man, that's what God's people are looking for. Go to Luke 21, verse 25. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations and with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Here's the dismay. Here's, Here's the fear. Here's the terrifying aspect of the signs of heaven for the natural man. Men part failing them. For fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great power and glory. Verse twenty eight. This is why he told his people don't be dismayed like the like the heathen are. Don't let this get you all broke down because when you see these things when these things begin to come to pass then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh so and there's, not, there's polarities between God's people and, and the world between spiritual things and carnal things in one state you're going to be scared to it's going to scare the, the Jesus out of you but if you if you have been birthed into God's family you're looking forward to this. that's what you're looking for. Now the, what, what we just read in, in Luke and Matthew it concerns his second coming. We as the body of Christ and the bride of Christ, we're told to love and wait for his appearing. But for us, there won't be signs in heaven with that appearing. There'll just be a shout, a trumpet blast, and a calling away. And the bridegroom will take his wife home, delivered from the wrath to come, which is what we just read in Matthew and Luke. We'll already be home. But the ungenerated Jewish people that are still left, when the Lord comes for his bride, uh, they will have some things to go through, but when they've gone through those things, not to be dismayed when you see these things happening in the side, sign, the signs of heaven showing up, lift up your head. Your redemption draws nigh. Now back to Deuteronomy 18. Another way of the heathen, which I am just mentioned these ways because Jeremiah speaks of don't do after the ways of the heathen. And so, another way of the heathen is the divination, and we we can find that out uh, in the New Test. You know, di- divination's only found one time in the in the New Testament. And it shows up in Acts sixteen sixteen. And the word, the the Greek word in sixteen sixteen for divination is uh, Python. How about
1: that? That's what.
0: Python, which is a serpent, and 1616 16 in Acts says, and it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, a spirit of the serpent. So, you, that's, you see the work of the devil, the devil at work right here, and it's, and it's from this influence that God's been warning people from the beginning. It's the influence that the serpent has on people to draw them to him, to, to have them be his laborers in the field instead of being laborers for God in his field. You're either serving the Lord or you're serving the enemy. (laughs) And if, when your time comes, you're serving the enemy. Well, hell has been enlarged just for that. If when your time comes you're still serving the enemy then you can fellowship with them in eternal torment and contempt. Hell was never was never made for man but man has chose to go there. So hell has been enlarged. It'll accommodate you. And though he works in the background all the time, Satan does, You know, we have to remember that it's, it's just people being blinded by him, being used by him for his will. And it's, it's, it's the devil with whom our battle is. It's the devil with whom our war is waged against but like I say he he uses he's a great counterfeiter right yeah but the lord has his army and uh, has his will done in by man they
1: say in counterfeit bills they say they don't study the counterfeit they study the real thing so they can see what the error is in the fake right you know So that's exactly what the devil does is he has studied to see what's there, but he's not righteous to perform that thing because he has no life in him. It's death. You know? And so he presents it to be truth, but it really is a lie.
0: But he makes it palatable. He he makes it seem like it is the truth for those that are in a condition to be deceived. Yes, that's why we have to continue to take heed and be on our guard at all times to not be deceived. Yes,
1: well, that's why our 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 weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Okay, right. It's not signs and wonders and seeing angels and. Those things, that is not what the Lord is operating with the saints of the Christians of these days. The Lord is operating with us believing his words. This is what I said to who I said it to, believe it. Period. Because that's exactly what the Lord said to the nation of Israel. Hearken unto me, hearken unto my words. Period. That's it. That's all I want you to do. But you don't. You got to keep going after this. You got to keep going after that. Got to keep on. The oh, devil, man. The you're devil, just a dog just, after its own vomit. Yep. The, de-
0: the devil just keeps perverting his words, but he makes it palatable so that you can be convinced that this is, you know, Paul was convinced he was doing God's work, right?
1: Yes. Before
0: he got saved, he was hailing people into prison and bringing them to judgment and stuff working just in opposition of, of God's will. But he thought he was doing God's work. And that's what uh, the devil is very good at doing that. But he makes it, uh, it's perverted, but he makes it. I think that's how we've gotten into the place where, you know, we really live in, in sin and expect God to put up with it. And, and think that we don't recognize our sins or we don't acknowledge our sins because for whatever reason, and a lot of it's because we haven't been judged on it yet. Well, we think we've gotten away with it. So if we've gotten away with it, it must be okay. Yeah. But, it ain't. but it ain't. And the devil will just, he works on that. That's one of his devices.
1: Well, you know, it's the, the church, the body of Christ, the local church, those that are supposed to be the pillar and ground of the truth. That's what we are supposed to be. Yep. Individually and locally in an assembly <laughs> together, proclaiming and declaring the truth of God what he commanded us to do. You know, I don't know what? We have learned the way of the heathen. Yes, sir. We have brought the heathen ways into the church. Christmas trees, uh, all this other garbage we've brought into church, Easter bunnies, Easter eggs, Halloween, uh, trick or trunk. You know, we've brought all this stuff in the name of Jesus Christ for souls to be saved. You know, and you can see Um, the
0: devil behind it all. Yeah. And that's just it. A lot of people don't see the, the, the they don't see the devil behind it all. They they see it as being part of God's program. Yeah, and they but they've been deceived. Yes, they but they've just been and we'll see that in verse three and four. I I think that's uh, uh, well. I think it was uh, the, the anticipated in, in, in God's word. I, I think He's anticipating the commercialism and the the uh, party atmosphere involved with what's going on in verse three and four in, in Jeremiah. Uh, as to well, let's just read because I'm done with I'm I'm done with verse two. So oh,
1: okay.
0: We'll read verse three and four. For the customs of the people are vain, for one cutteth a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe, they deck it with silver and with gold, they fasten it with nails and with hammers, that it move not. And here like I say, I think the I think the word is just anticipating how far will We've gone with this celebration of the Lord's birth, and uh, and it, it's all it's all convoluted. Uh, and when it says for the customs of the people, that, that word customs it would that would be statutes and ordinances. It's been established by the the heathen leaders and followed by the people.
1: Mm -hmm. Well,
0: keep in mind, the devil is a great counterfeiter, right? And he imitates everything God does. Well, God has established statutes and ordinances just just for the sake of what's going on here in St. 4. He established the law and the feast; those are statutes and ordinances that he established, and he commanded them to be obeyed. Well, now here's Jeremiah: for the customs of the people are vain, so the ordinances and the customs and the statutes of the people. Are not the same statutes and ordinances that the God, that that the Lord had established. And that's why I think verse 3 and 4 is anticipating how far we've gone away and and the church is involved in Christmas as much as anybody.
1: Oh, yeah. Big promoter because why? What's the bottom line?
0: Christ's birthday.
1: Well, no, no. No, that's not the bottom line. Oh, the merchant. The money. Money, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, follow the money.
1: Yeah, I mean... But the bottom
0: line should be Christ's birthday. But if you're going to celebrate Christ's birthday, at least get the day right. And and, and nobody knows when the day is, but we we know for a fact that that the 25th of December is not the day.
1: Yes, and explain why for those who hear... Well, you and know, I, I could less words than, or what you can.
0: I, all I know is that it's a that, that it's a, it's a pagan celebration. It's a pagan day and it has to do doesn't it, it has to do with the equinox, the vernal or the the autumn equinox,
1: winter, Sultan, winter, winter solstice, winter solstice. Yeah, one of those yeah. things. Yeah.
0: But if, but it's 100% totally pagan. Yes the celebration that goes on in the 25th. And that's, so they, so they put Christ in the middle of that.
1: Yeah. And from scripture, we can almost tell, well, from scripture, we can pretty much pinpoint what month Jesus Christ was born in. Well,
0: I, you know, and, and that's if you're, if you're going on the, uh, Jewish
1: calendar or the
0: premise that when you're conceived, you are a person.
1: Well, I'm going off the premise of ten months of germination for birth. And
0: then when you
1: when you have John the Baptist, when Mary just found out that she was pregnant and the baby leaped into Elizabeth.
0: Right. So you know he was a living Thing.
1: Yes, yeah. and that was six months. So you start from there with Zechariah when he was in the course of Abijah.
0: But that's, a, that's look, when Excuse mm-hmm. me. That's when John the Baptist was six months old, not when Mary was six months pregnant.
1: When Elizabeth was six months pregnant. Yes.
0: Not when John the Baptist was six months
1: in the womb. Yes. Yep. When Elizabeth was six months pregnant. Yes. Mm-hmm. But he responded
0: um, to something that was just brand new in the womb, and yet he responded to it.
1: Well, what I, was, what I meant is if you look at that six months and you go back to the course of Abijah that Zachariah was in. Right. And he fulfilled that office, and then he came unto Elizabeth. All right? Yes. That office is what? A um, month long or three months long? Was it month long?
0: I think it was 30 days, yes.
1: 30 days. Okay.
0: Because I think there was And both.
1: so, yeah. do you think, you know, even though, whatever, he got home, him and Elizabeth did what a uh, married couple do, and they had a child. I don't think he hesitated. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, I think the Lord had blessed and honored that like he said he was going to. So, you have to go back there from the law that that was given, and it gives you the month that they were supposed to carry out that course. And then you look at the course of Abijah and then Zacharias course in that month. And then you count down from six months. And in that time you count from 10 months when Jesus Christ was born and you're roughly in September, September
0: in in, in our, on our calendar.
1: Yep. On our calendar. Yes. Yep. I agree. Which would be, I think April in the Jewish calendar springtime. Uh, yeah. So, no. When would it be? Uh, what would it be in, in the on that calendar if they went by that other calendar, as some people claim to go by? I don't know.
0: Well, I think there's six months difference.
1: It's a six-month difference.
0: Something like that. Uh, I, I okay. Got, I got a book here on the feast. It's got a, It's got the calendars. Side by side here.
1: So, what that would be September 9, 9, 6, be March?
0: Right.
1: Around March, April? Yeah. So, well, it's around that's the that's resurrection. That's it. It's interesting.
0: The conception would take place around late December or early January.
1: Yes. Is when the
0: conception would happen, and then the birth would come in September, in our time.
1: Yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's what you'd get. That's how we'd figure out from the Bible, roughly, when Christ is born. Now, we, are, we were heathen before we came to know the Lord Jesus Christ because we were Gentiles, we weren't Jews. The Lord was speaking to the Jewish people, learn not the way of the heathen. Because right. you're going to be going down into Babylon. Don't learn their ways, man. Now, as the Lord is bringing heathen into his body, saving them that put their faith in him, uh, then he no longer calls them... Uh you know we're recognized as sons, heirs, joint heirs of Christ. right. Now we're not supposed to still be participants of those things. We're not supposed to be active in those things that the heathen used to do, what we used to be participative participants of. you know, like in First Corinthians it says, and some were, some of you, you know, fornicators, Ephemeral adulterers um he said you were some of those but you're not now we're to turn from those things you know the thing that had condemned the thing that had brought sin in our life to bring us to our to bring us to christ and repentance are the things that we don't need to be doing anymore
0: (laughs) right and that's why i think this word is for us as well uh, when it says, the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, uh, I, I, I think it's for us as well. And, and I think Paul touches on it in Second Corinthians 6 when he says, what concord hath Christ with Belial? What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Which is, you know, when, when you start participating in Christmas and you start going the ways of, of the lost, of the ways yeah. of the world, in, in this dispensation, you're doing the same thing he's warning his people in Jeremiah to guard against. He says, well, what agreement have the temple of God with idols? Well, it doesn't have any agreement with it. It's completely, you know, uh, in direct opposition of all that stuff. And yet we are the temple of the living God. So, when he's warning them to not go the way of the heathen, he's, he's telling he, he's warning us to. He has been warning us to not let this thing get so far out of hand like it has. Yeah, this it, it, the, the way Christmas is going and the, and stuff is not something that God is. It's not acceptable to Him. I don't believe.
1: No, and then you want to know what another thing is? You have to. Look at it from this point of view, too, that if you are exalting something greater than Christ as a Christmas tree, as a present given from one to another, as Santa Claus is portrayed as, right. you know, right. um, that is taken away from the glory of God. It's right back there in Exodus 34. Um, Right below, uh, below where we are reading, it says, "My name is Jealous," right? because I am jealous, God. These things He wants no part, part. He don't want those to take place before Him. He wants to be put first.
0: And God, God Himself never mentioned to His disciples to celebrate His birth. He never mentioned that one time to them. Hey, by the way, it's my birthday. Yeah. But he did tell them to remember his death on the cross.
1: Yeah. Through
0: the Supper. Well,
1: I believe it's in Ecclesiastes. It says the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. It does. 7-1. Uh, and I just, you know, Christ's death represents so much more. Yes. Because his death represents a sinless man becoming sin for sinners. And our death
0: can be the same way. My death is going to be so much better than this life.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: I'll be with the Lord.
1: Well, you have grace to go through it. Right. And then you'll be with the Lord.
0: Absolutely. It's because of, but I mean, my death is going to be so much supreme to the life that I've lived here. Yeah, there won't be any comparison. <clears throat> yeah, uh, but that's not the way of the world. The, the way of the world is to have go goo goo over a, a child being born and to, to mourn and uh worry yourself to death over the over someone's death. When God says it should be just the opposite way, you ought to be praying and mourning for those that are being born into this wicked world.
1: And rejoice yeah. over the ones It is that better that I have not been born. Huh? It had been better that I have not been born. Yeah.
0: If you go through this life and not receive the Lord, it sure would be better. But these these customs, these customs are vain, mentioned in verse three. But customs of the people are vain. They're vain because, and I think you just touched on it some. But how are you going to improve or embellish what the Creator has made? How are you going to improve that? How are you going to make that more attractive than what it is? Because when God has done creation, what was His testimony?
1: It is good.
0: Very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when he was done creating everything he was going to create, he said, and it was very good. And now hmm. in verse 3 and 4 in Jeremiah, here you see people trying to take what God has created and turn it into something more acceptable, more uh, uh, glorious than what he created. Well, that's vain. That's that's just
1: vain. It looks to me as they're wanting an object to behold, to put a face to. They're
0: wanting the attention to go off the creator and onto the Yeah. Off to the workman. Yeah. And to the designer. Yeah, look what he
1: did. And to oh, the minerals
0: man. and the materials that's made, the glitters and shines and all that stuff. They're yeah. they're throwing the attention away. They're giving, they're taking the preeminence away from the subject and giving it to the object.
1: Yeah. Mm.
0: And I just, verse three and four, that has evolved to where we are now into the commercialism and party atmosphere that we have connected with Christmas and the Christmas tree and all that. And it's, it's 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 universal it it's become a universal thing and the attention has been taken off the reason for the season been given over to the to the presence to the gifts to the to the gala atmosphere of the whole thing and the reason for the season has been totally ignored and rejected and that's where the great counterfeiter—that's that, where the devil has turned a lot of heads with this deception. Yeah, because they, the people, most of the people that you know who celebrate Christmas truly believe they're celebrating the Lord's birth. Yes, or they say that's why you know that's why they go all out with this to glorify and honor the Lord. And yet, yeah. the Lord never asked anybody to celebrate His birth. Yes, And if you're going to celebrate his birth, at least do it on the right day. And that's why the days never do that. Because the Lord never required that you celebrate. He just wanted to remember him when you honored Easter and with the Lord's supper. To remember his death on the cross. That's what he wants you to remember. That's what he wants you to celebrate. Yeah. That's it it for me. You can stick a fork in me.
1: Okay. Well, I'll have to stop this recording and start a new one if I wanted to start what I had. Sure. Um.
0: I took up all the time.
1: Well, we did talk for 30 minutes
0: before we We started,
1: brother. So that does take a big chunk out of it, but it's well liked.
0: Okay. All right. I'll be anxious to hear what you got.
1: Yes, sir. Bye-bye.
0: Yep, bye.